Hey, what's up? This is Martin Hugh, and welcome back to another episode of the show. My guest today is an artist that I highly admire. He goes by the name of Phrase. And on this episode, we got to talk about such a wide variety of topics from launching a project, taking action to accumulating skill sets and making connections. We tackle a lot of areas that are useful to both artists and entrepreneurs in general. He has a very distinctive style, which he calls a word art, blending calligraphy and visual art. He's commissioned work for celebrities like Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, and many more. We actually recorded this podcast a couple of weeks back, but since NFT and NYC came along, my timing and schedule got thrown off. I thought it wouldn't have taken as much time as it did, but actually NFT and NYC was packed with events. Um, so I, I didn't have the time to edit this podcast as I, sh- as I should have had. But nevertheless, it was a heck of a lot of fun. And uh, it's good to be back and great to finally release this episode. Talking with a phrase about his new project called Phraseboard was a blast. And I hope you enjoy this talk as much as I did recording it. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Phrase. We're recording the podcast. I can't. We're finally here. I can't believe it. It's been a crazy week for you, right? Man, I appreciate you rescheduling and scheduling and rescheduling. And I'm happy to finally be talking with you. This is exciting. On my side, I had way less stress and unpredictable things happening because I can only imagine how many things you had to just check out with your smart contract developers. And then I guess with the treasure hunt and all that, like, can you go a little bit into that? How was the, the whole experience? Man, I've, it's never been such a roller coaster. Like I've never been a part of such a roller coaster as I have trying to stand something up in this space is just a, it feels like a Herculean effort. It really it's amazing to be a collector in this space. And if you collect for more than like a month, which is, feels like a year in, in NFT space, but if you co- mm-hmm. collect more than a month, you see the same kinds of kind of patterns repeating where projects are delayed or there are attacks or there are just quirks and oddities. And as a collector, you're just like, you get used to it really quickly. Or you're like, ah, this is that thing. Or the project's delayed another day or something like that. And on the builder side, it is these delusions of grandeur where you're like, none of that stuff's going to happen to us. Everything's going to run smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been, um, it's been remarkable. It, it has simultaneously been the most stressful thing I've ever been a part of. And it's been... One of the great joys of my career is is standing this up. And so many of the things that were like theories and thoughts and like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if have turned into real things? And that's that's been remarkable. But I know anyone listening in has no idea what we're talking about yet. So I should probably give at least some sort yes, of Yes, please <laughs> give, give a little bit of background on, I guess, you know, on yourself first. So, so you, you go by the name Phrase. And uh, from what I know uh, by digging into your history and also like just doing my research on your Instagram, on your Twitter profile and speaking with you uh, multiple times by, by Zoom calls, but also on Twitter spaces that you were an artist for 10 plus years. And uh, in, during that time, you were still in that same kind of style where you blended visual kind of drawings, but with calligraphy in it. 
And I, I guess that's where your name phrase came from. Uh, and from what I know, you also like when NFTs came about, you kind of saw that as like an opportunity to do more of what you love and, and not necessarily like stay in this. You, you always did work for someone, but in your own style, you were probably commissioned to do that. But now you just get to create your own project from scratch, which is what uh, we're kind of here to talk about. You know, the phrase board. I, again, I'm, I feel like I'm butchering it. I, oh, I'm cool. gonna, just going to let you roll with it. Yeah, you did a great job. You did a great job. I, I've been creating work, been creating art, specifically this, this style of word art that I've been doing for the last 10 years and or more than 10 years now and started in what felt like a global market, like standing up a, si- a website and selling work to anyone who would buy it online. Um, launched with a piece a day project back in 2012, then followed that up the the year after with a project called Five Spot Derby, where I released a new piece every single week and did that for two and a half years. And along the way, got connected with a lot of amazing folks, did work for Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, Jason Mraz, did book covers and album covers and things like that, and had a had a good run in the traditional art space, did massive murals and and fun projects like that, but entering into the NFT space and when the when this space finally got its hooks in me, I wanted to start fresh and decided to forgo the brand I had spent the last 10 years building up, picked a new name, new alias, and started dabbling in the space. Started with a project called Deal This NFT back mm-hmm. in December. And I, I sold a one-on-one around that time as well. And Steal This NFT was was really the precursor to this project, to Phraseboard, where I set up a new wallet, took the seed phrase from that wallet, so the 24 words that unlocks that wallet, turned it into a design, and instead of selling it, turned it into an NFT, dropped it back into that wallet, said, and made an announcement that I was never going to sell it but if anyone ever managed to crack the seed phrase by by looking at the piece, then they could take it. And it ended up getting cracked in about six days, which as someone who had no following in the NFT space, that was just, it was flattering. It was mind-blowing. And when I talked to the guy who actually cracked it, it was a gentleman out of, I said incorrectly, for the longest time I said Turkey, but he's actually from, I believe, New Zealand. He told me that he ended up renting out like 60 GPUs, Amazon brute forcing the thing in, hmm. in in that time. And and while that was flattering, a bunch of people had reached out to me and said, hey, that's really fun. But if it's just going to be bots and brute forcing that wins this every time, then I don't I don't really want to participate. Like it's kind of, I mean, you just you know, you what's can't. What's the purpose of participating yeah. and competing when you're competing against a bot that you know will ultimately win? Mm-hmm. And the the timing of, of our talk today is, is so funny because what I spent the last, four months doing was working on a version of this of, of this project that wouldn't be as susceptible to bots and brute force. So the only way I could think to do that was to, instead of writing a single piece with just the 24 words in it, there are 2,048 words in what's called the BIP 39 word list. And this is a list of every potential seed phrase word. And I knew that if I made a piece that contained all of those words, 
it would be much less susceptible to attack. Doesn't mean people wouldn't try. And just today, we've had some bots and brute forcing that that we've had to kind of develop a plan to counterpunch for. But the idea with this project was, I wanted to create a series of puzzles and clues that would do two things. One, it would give clever people more than that bots and brute forcing a chance to actually solve these puzzles and hopefully win the grand prize. And two, I've been lucky enough to come into possession of a couple of proof collective passes, which currently have a floor price of around 80. Realized I could take one of those and dangle it as a prize, a carrot at the end of the stick for this massive competition and use that attention that it garners to direct the energy and effort and this chaotic ball of energy towards other people and projects. And so along the way, we've developed this treasure hunt. It's 25 questions. And many of the questions, we have about 20 different collaborators who have helped hide clues in their collections or their website or all sorts of places across the NFT space. In doing that, it directs this energy and this effort and this attention towards other creators and projects doing amazing things in the space. So there's kind of multiple ideas behind PhraseBoard, but in a nutshell, that's what we've set out to do. And that's actually how I got connected to you. Yeah. Uh, and I was so surprised to, you know, because again, the we both come from the Proof Collective and even though it's just a thousand members, which is super manageable in the Discord and everything, we may be online at different times. And sometimes you're very active, let's say in the morning and we have a time difference. And so we might never really chat in, inside the Proof Discord, but then eventually we just connected through Drew from Rikau's DAO. And if he was saying, oh, phrase inside proof as well. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And we connect. And I thought that was a wonderful idea because I, at that time I had just inter interviewed uh, Andrew that cracked the code for the MeBit, like the MeBit mm -hmm. treasure hunt. And mm -hmm. I just, I guess with the introduction of treasure hunts, it just adds this dynamic, which is way more fun and more lighthearted and just like reconnected with the, the idea of art and also the idea of playfulness and just overall uh, not, not worrying too much about the economics behind it if i can put it that way you mentioned early on that you know for 10 years for 10 plus years you've been having your career which is has always merged i guess like some sort of calligraphy like word art as you put it how did you get into that did it kind of just naturally occur to you that kind of style like what would really led you to explore this style particularly that's that's a good question i know for a lot of artists, it takes a long time to figure out what your niche is or what lights you up and that sort of thing. And when I did, when I set out to do the first project the very first year, I've always been captivated by quotes and the power of words. To me, a quote was always the, this concentration, this distillation of what could be a really complicated or thought-provoking idea into a really digestible soundbite, right? And one thing that always captivated me was the only place to go from there. Like you've taken a really big idea. It could be something you could, you could talk about for hours and to distill that into a, like as concentrated a package as, as possible with words, uh, you've kind of reached the limit for how you can absorb that information. And 
So the only place you can really go at that point is visual. So I liked the idea of taking a quote, taking something that was motivating or powerful. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's, it was early on, they were compared to, do you remember those old inspiration posts? It'd be like inspiration and a picture of a bald eagle and some, some cheesy oh, yeah, quote yeah. down, you know, like in every office in America ever. And, yeah, and I, also I, on Instagram, <laughs> you had that that phase of inspirational pages. I have mine and I still have mine, which I've grown to like a substantial amount of followers, <laughs> but I know exactly what you're talking about where like, it's just quote after quote after quote with a cool background. And, you yeah. know, and, and I, so I, many I, of them were actually wrongly attributed. That's what I found funny. It's, it's like, all oh, a Lincoln. I don't know. Like Benjamin Franklin said this. And then when you researched it, like he never said that. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's always Abraham Lincoln or Einstein. It's, um, <laughs> I always liked the message of those quotes, but but always hated the the vehicle of delivery. I've always had an eye for design, and and that's it's just that generic formulaic, like yeah, like so. It was often attributed. My work was often attributed with like non cheesy versions of of those posters, and and I was kind of okay with that. And so that that niche kind of had its 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 hooks in me early, and realized very quickly how meaningful that could be to people. To find words that or quotes that that were relevant or personal to them, create an iconic image from it, and that way, every time they looked at it, they had the recollection of that full quote without without having to sit and read it. Or maybe it was a, a personal quote. You know, along the way, um, over the years, mm -hmm. I did I took people's wedding vows. I did um, probably one of the most moving ones was. Uh, a father had passed away and he had written a letter for his two sons. And we turned that into a piece. And that way, instead of displaying the letter, that's that's not something you're going to necessarily put on your wall. But to take that, turn it into a piece that the essence of that letter was still there. Every single letter written was still there. But it was still, it was a nice, pleasant image of of the father and his kids that that they could have and look at and they knew what was in there but you know people coming over people passing through wouldn't necessarily yeah it's not so literal that you know from across the room you just see a big quote black on white right exactly. like you, it's like you really exactly. have to come close and then you look oh wow okay and it's a bit like you know like your phrase board if you look at it from afar it just to me because when you actually talked to me about that project i looked at the board and i was like man, I want a print of this because I just want, I just want it on my wall. But then when you look closer, oh, there's all these clues. There's all these, uh, you know, the, these, these, these words that are made by you and designed by you that it's still readable, but it's, um, so the board, I, I know describing a, an art piece for people listening, uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't the best for podcasts, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a go in that the board is laid out in a 45 by 45 grid. And it contains around 2,100 hand-drawn words. Like we, I had mentioned earlier, that full BIP 39 word list, every potential seed phrase word, seed phrase word along with 60, around 60 Easter egg words. Re the board, relative, it, it's a gradient pattern, and it relatively follows that, that grid structure. So people can navigate it easily identify individual words, but the words themselves are kind of warped and twisted to fit into each individual cell. So you can imagine words that are longer 
get kind of crunched in in certain ways and words that are shorter get spread out. So it, it almost looks uh, hieroglyphic in the way that the, that the individual letters are laid out. And it took around, I want to say around 200 hours to complete from, from end to end. Um, That's insane. <laughs> and the last, the, the last three days was literally just auditing cell by cell, letter by letter. I mean, it's over 15,000 letters that went through and checked. And now even looking at the final board, I'm, I'm seeing like, I've seen two errors now where I'm like, oh, I could go back and change that. But yeah, it's, it's never perfect now. enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Pixar, the, the guys at Pixar always said, our movies never get finished, they get released. And that's one that I, I tend to um, find myself circling back to. Because you mentioned Gary V before that you work with. One thing that I keep in my mind all the time that he talks a lot about is he says perfectionism is like an excuse. Because at the end of the day, if you, you know, it's, it's a good thing to keep in your mind because you want to improve your art and everything. But at a certain point, you just have to put it out there. Because if, if you're looking Absolutely. for like the perfect thing you're gonna you're never gonna let it out you're never gonna release it that's that's true i i actually did a piece a number of years ago um and it was two quotes about perfection and it was a venn diagram and the word perfection was in the middle and i and the first quote was have no fear of perfection because you'll never reach it and the second quote was perfection is achieved not when there's nothing more to add but nothing more to take away and the ironic thing about that piece was uh, there were there was a just glaring gigantic typo right on right on the top of it, and we didn't mm. catch it until we did. These were letterpress prints back in the day, so you would get the print made, uh, the print plate made, and that was a very expensive process. And I sent it off, and we ran our first test print when it came in, and it was like, oh, okay, well, there's there's irony there because this is a piece about perfection, and there's an error, and you just got to lean into it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I get asked frequently, like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this project. Like, where do I like just start? Because execution, honestly, execution is the only thing that matters. So anyone waiting for conditions to be perfect or anything like that, that just that never gets you anywhere. It's never the right time. It it could always be better. You know what I mean? Thousand percent. I and I, I yeah. think one thing that I want to highlight from your side too, which I found was very inspiring for me, was the fact that you didn't necessarily go into what is the popular thing that's being that's happening right now in the NFT space, right? Because I feel like a lot of times people think, oh, right now the cool thing is, let's say, a PFP project. Therefore, I have to do that. Or like there's something, you know, there's this shiny object. Everybody's focusing on that. Like my project has to relate to that or else it will not be successful. And I think when you just come into the space with authenticity like you did, uh, and you still do, you know, like you just launched your project and it's just something that wasn't really done before. It was, it was probably done in some fashion, but not at this scale. And also like just imp implementing and making all these communities pro participate together. is really something that I have found uh, truly awesome. So uh, really thank you for that. I think that the space needed more of that, like with everyone talking about, you know, bear markets and all that stuff. I think this is just a, a refreshing project that, people can focus on and, and have some fun, but just uh, as well, like, you know, they, they get a chance to win something really, really substantial. So the way I understand it is that there's two boards, there's red and blue, right? So the red one is, is free to participate in with a grand prize of 7.77 ETH. Yes. And then yeah. um, 
the blue one, that's the one you can win uh, the actual proof collective NFT uh, that gives you access to, to everything proof related as the grand prize, right? So, so players for that board, the blue one, uh, they need an access pass in order to, to participate. So they need to mint that. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. And the allow list price on that is 0.16. We had a... Uh, an allow list with a lot of our collaborators set up that was set up at a reduced rate. And the it, it's been that's been part of the the roller coaster is from a we've seen a lot of projects come and go. We've seen a lot of projects that the flipping side of NFTs is such a monster component and such a force to be reckoned with. And I've watched Creators that have put out truly remarkable things just get decimated by secondary markets. And mm. where if if a project falls below the floor uh, while it's still minting, it can absolutely stall or butter out the efforts that people are taking. Fortunately, oh, so you're meaning when when the when the floor is lower than the actual minting price, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah I've seen this. Um, it seems very formulaic where people will jump into a project for hype and run it up. Or if it doesn't, you know, triple immediately, people will get cold feet and jump out. And they were only ever there to flip it to begin with. That's a really, I get it. I know it's part of the game. Um, but it's also like it can kill projects and it can kill a lot of the effort that people put in. So, one of the one of the weirder things we did when we launched was we restricted secondary sales. And that mm. for all the registration we did, and by design, we didn't want flippers to come in and run up the price. You didn't need the NFT to change hands. That's exactly right. And it it for our case, like for a treasure hunt where clues are being revealed and that sort of thing, we saw it as detrimental to to the project to where anyone could come in, catch the info, and leave. And the community itself would kind of be at risk of the information being leaked and that sort of thing. And so we made a decision early on to restrict secondary sales. Now, anyone that actually mints it doesn't go home empty-handed because at the end of the game, and we, we're very transparent about the fact that you are almost guaranteed not going to win, right? Like, mint this Go in for the experience. Expect that, like, although someone will win, it probably won't be you. I designed this with that in mind. Like, knowing if you're the person who doesn't win, how can you still have as an enjoyable experience as possible? How can this still be worth your time, worth the mint, that sort of thing? And one of the, uh, yes, we have prizes along the way, and that's one of the kind of counterpunches to that. The other is every single person who mints one of these passes at the very end of the treasure hunt can burn that pass in exchange for a high quality print of the original and that's something so cool. i mean yeah i've been producing and shipping prints all over the world for the last 10 years i've shipped to bands in all 50 states and 43 countries around the globe and know a thing or two about putting a quality print together so when this game board was complete, it was like, okay, like there needs to be there needs to be a high quality version of this, like a physical print. I get comments constantly about people saying they want to hang this on their wall. So it's like, okay, anyone that plays the game actually will have that chance and they'll be able to burn their ticket at the very end and receive 
a physical print wherever they are on on Earth. Question for you on that. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead uh, on on the printing aspect of it because I know how hard it is as a digital artist to actually get um, quality prints and prints that are representative of your particular art and let's say you use very specific colors and you're used to seeing them a certain way when you're working on your screen. Is that something that uh, has been challenging for you to really find uh, the right process for printing? Because I know right now, like there's a lot of people that, you know, they want to print their NFTs. That's one thing to be a collector and wanting to print it. But it's another thing to actually be the artist that actually make that art, uh, art because you've, you've looked at it so many times and you know exactly like what well, this blue should be exactly this tone. And the moment's a bit off, <laughs> you, you see it right away. So how was the experience with that? Was it hard finding something that was just very satisfactory on your terms? Um, yeah, it's funny. I, so I'm sitting next to uh, a bay of printers right now. And I, I'm also like right behind that is about 25 different sample prints from <laughs> six, diff- six different manufacturers. And uh, I really didn't want... I, <laughs> I, I really didn't want to have to print this myself um, <laughs> because it's going to be a lot of prints, but I haven't found a single print sample come in yet that I was like, yes, this matches quality. Like even ordering the paper I normally use, even any of that, it just, it comes in and you know, they, I get it. They're going like most large um, print producers are going through thousands of prints per day and the Quality control just isn't quite there. So the likelihood that I end up running these myself, uh, I mean, it's something I've been doing for for the last 10 years, so I'm perfectly fine with that. But same time, it would have been really nice to, to offload that. But yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> likely be... <laughs> I'll likely be um, printing, packing, and shipping these myself. So that's going to be the next leg of this thing once we get through it. <laughs> awesome. So you mentioned we could actually burn the NFT uh, the people bought like for the access of the blue board. They could burn that NFT at the end to get a, a physical copy of it. Whenever you have that uh, NFT, you also have access to a private discord, right? So what's happening there? People can kind of like share some clues with each other uh, for the blue board. Very. Uh, I, I appreciate the setup. Yeah. So the access pass gives you access to the the second treasure hunt happening, which we call Phraseboard Blue. And that's the one that gets you, like you're playing for the proof pass. And in addition to that, a lot of the collector or the collaborators that we're working with have thrown their NFTs, their projects into the mix as well. But with that, you do get access to a private Discord where there are people in there sharing what they're finding. There are people kind of helping each other out while still letting them play the game. It's a very wild time in this Discord right now. It mm-hmm. is um, filled with, in addition to helpful people, there's also a lot of people spreading misdirection. There are people that have been oh teaming my up. God. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's it's wild. There are people that have been teaming up and building Excel spreadsheets, like codifying the board, and then all of a sudden those sheets are gone, or other people start putting incorrect information in them. And to ba- <laughs> to walk the line and give people a good and safe experience is um, it's challenging. Been a, it, it's challenging, <laughs> yeah, because the the amount of blind trust people put into to total strangers is like okay, like. We can put all the disclaimers in the world up, but if if people are just desperately trying to solve something and someone's like, 
oh, DM me, I can help. It's like, no, 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 like, don't listen to, maybe listen to them, maybe don't. But it's been a wild, it's been a wild ride. So that Discord, it is part of it. That is part of the, part of what you get access to. All of the questions actually happen on the website itself. The website is phraseboard.xyz. And when you log in, you see the board itself. And just to the right of the board, if you're on desktop, which is where it works best, but it would be below on mobile. Uh, there's a series of questions, and we're peeling off one question each day. So you basically log in, you can see the questions, you have a chance to answer them. You actually, the main questions themselves, you get three chances every 24 hours. So if you blow through all your chances, you don't guess correctly, you can come back in and guess another day. That's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that there was a set set amount of tries that you could do it. I guess like that's kind of like the anti-botting kind of. This is this is the attempt at the anti-botting, but literally this morning um we had a number of bot attempts at cracking the cracking the questions and like literally today the team and I were were figuring out okay, like we had someone solve this way faster than should have been possible. Like we we put a pretty complicated clue up. And have had to like on the fly kind of figure out, okay, how are we handling bots? Because even though we have a guess limit and that sort of thing, we still have bots coming in and attempting to win this game, which is like, although it's flattering and although I appreciate the creativity that any programmers or hackers or anyone is putting into this, uh, we have stated from the get go that that's not how we'll declare a winner. Like it's, it's, this really is like an experience to be enjoyed. This is something that uh, there are hundreds of people going through the steps, like working on solving the puzzles. And the grand prize at the very end for both the ETH game and for the Proof Pass game will go to one of those individuals. And fortunately, I've got uh, a killer dev team and we've done a remarkable job, like kind of catching logs and um, although people are crafty covering tracks, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in our team that, that we are setting mm-hmm. things up in a way that, that won't necessarily put this in, in the hand of, I don't know, people trying to find shortcuts. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm, I'm just like curious on my side. Cause I just want to understand more about like how people actually do that. So if they, let's say you have three <laughs> guesses. Mm-hmm. Well, what, like these bots are creating like multiple accounts and they just like go for these three guesses on each account. How, is that, how does that work? Yeah, there's, um, they're messing with, we have an API. There's, there's a few different like attack vectors that we're seeing them come at. And while we expected that, the one thing that we need to make sure is that we keep monitoring it and we stop kind of, we, we basically don't just, hand over prizes to anyone kind of participating in that way. And one of the things that we're actually doing and we're announcing later today, so by the time this comes out, it will be up, is initially it was just like, hey, we're just going to dump this stuff into those wallets and to the victor of the spoils, right? But to keep the integrity of the community in the game, we're planning on implementing something called Proof of Path. And it's a way to kind of check people's work. And instead of just saying, hey, what's the answer at the very end? Whoever ends up winning this thing, whoever is the first to have the correct number of answers, instead of that wallet containing the grand prize, it will contain a voucher. 
that will get you a meeting with us and we'll sit down and we don't necessarily have to go over every answer. We'll probably have an answer pretty quickly, but we'll go through and say, okay, like, let's walk through these steps. Show your, basically show your work. How did you get yeah. to this answer? And well, it's a bit, it's a bit like when you, when you were in school and you had like a math exam, you know, the, the important part was not the answer. It's actually like, how did you get to that answer? Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, it's just been uh, a bit of a counterpunch to, I, I get it. Like there's high prizes at stakes and, and people love to kind of find any shortcuts or crack that sort of thing. But this experience itself is, is more designed for collectors to be introduced to new creators and to kind of just walk down this journey with us, have this ride. And that's why we're releasing one clue a day. It's really like, it's this slow drip. It's this in, like it's designed to be this hopefully agonizing, hopefully hopefully fun kind of one of a kind experience. So it's twenty five days. 25 yeah, it's clues? it's it's basically spanning the whole month of June, and each game has twenty five clues. So it's a twenty four word seed phrase plus a twenty fifth word passphrase that is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. mechanics behind that is that if you solve the clue, for example. Well, you pass on to the next level or you just like that's that's the part that, um, you know, for anyone listening, I would love to like clarify. So so let's say it's the first day you get your first clue. If you get your guess right, you move on to the next level, which is which the second day that you'll get the second clue. Or how does that work? So it started June 1st. We started revealing clues and we peel off one new clue a day. So you have access to one new clue every single day. Anyone joining mid-game has access to all the old clues and they'll be on the same release pace as everyone else. If you don't know one or if you want to skip around or you know pick the low-hanging fruit first, you can do that. You don't uh, necessarily have to solve an order. You don't have to solve number one before you can solve two. You can start at the most current one and work your way back if you'd rather. Mm. Uh, it does get more complicated as the game goes on. And then to win at the very end, you'll have to have all 24 right and be the first person to uh, solve that 25th question. That's, that's mm-hmm. the way we'll be identifying the winner. If we have hundreds of people who've actually solved all 24 correctly and a bunch, it, it's just a mad dash at the end, to combat that those bots and brute force attempts we may, like if we have enough people, we may set up some sort of 24-hour window and whoever answers the 25th question in that window will go into a raffle and the winner will be decided that way. But we'll see how things are looking at the very end. Like at the very end of the day, what we really want is to make sure it goes to someone who's actually solved the puzzles. And yeah, it just, it, just, it stays in the community in that way. So clever the way you, you orchestrated and you... you- the architecture, should I say, all of that. Because it's it's pretty cool the fact that, let's say you start out June 1st and then you, you didn't get the first clue, you know, by June 2nd, second clue gets released and you actually have no idea what the first one is. You can focus on the second one. It also promotes like a dynamic where everyone just works on their clue by themselves. Because, you know, if you needed to solve clue number one before getting to clue number two, I'm guessing there would be a lot more like collaboration happening where it's like <laughs> the people would just be on the discord server. Hey, what's clue number one? So I can get to clue number two and help you guys out. You know, <laughs> what's what? So a couple things that have happened. One, 
in Discord, and this was designed to be helpful, but I think it may be too helpful. We'll see how things go as the game progresses. But that collaboration is very strong right now. And in Discord, (laughs) we have every single clue has its own channel. So if you're coming in late into the game, you can go, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to read, like, start at the top of clue one, read through, and, and it becomes very clear. You can do some, like, digital detective kind of recap what happened while people were while this game was unfolding and just by looking at discord you can you can do a lot to piece together every single clue and the fact that we have each one broken out into each clue has having its own channel that really gives you like a, a, a nice categorization of where you need to be looking now people are all it's all fun it's all helpful right now um as things go on and as the stakes get a little bit higher, it's going to be very interesting to see how that discord changes as, as time goes on. But right now it's, it's light and fun and it is really cool to see the two things that are, are my favorite to see is one is people that are helpful, but they don't give the answer. So they're like, yes, cool. You're thinking about this the right way, but you're looking in the wrong place or something like, like people that know that it's an experience and that are working to not just give you a fish, but actually teach you how to fish. Like, I mean, that's how, that's how good some of these people in the NFT and web three space are at decoding this, these things. Like not only are they like decoding, they're also helping others with almost like their own treasure hunt and their own guidance. Oh, you're thinking about it the right way. Keep going, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And the number of the number of teams that have formed, um, I mean, there there are a, a decent number of individual teams that are all working together. And the last two days, clues have been solved by teams working together. So whether it's small teams or large, it does seem buddying up. I mean, that that certainly helps divide the workload. The other thing that's cool to see is is the amount of people who, I mean, just before this. Go- I bring this up because just before this call, I got a text from or a, a DM from someone who was in here. And uh, one of our collaborators was this guy, Czar, who just released his collection yesterday, sold out in two hours. And it was a thousand non-generative pieces that have, have a really generative look to them. He designed all of them in Photoshop. Really talented guy, really beautiful work. Uh, the collection was called Classicality. And so we had... People in the, the Discord talking about how he was actually one of our clue collaborators. He was featured the day his collection was released. And he hit a clue inside his collection. And the amount of messages I got from people that were saying, I didn't know who this was, but I bought three yesterday because he was featured on here. You know, like that that exposure so cool. for, for those creators, like that really, that's what this is all about. You know what I mean? Like we, if we had opened up, secondary and all that kind of stuff i think it would have put a lot more eth in our pockets but since all our prizes were funded and this was all coming out of our pocket like i was more concerned with yeah creating a, a better experience for people and that's been our approach um but the discord's a zoo man it really <laughs> it's it's madness the, the discord by nature is just a zoo there's nothing you can control in there and that's that's why like even in this podcast you know as as much as we're talking about fun and games here still be careful you know with uh with with who you're engaging with on discord like don't click any random links <laughs> if ever you know Very true. my own experience of this i've never done any treasure hunts but one of the things that got me 
crazy into finding clues here left and right and trying to guess was the the grails collection by proof i, I was like i was on the discord like looking at all the the convos happening I was trying to put the pieces together and see, oh, that kind of makes sense. Oh, this person thinks this. So we're at like, you know, 60% of the people that think this grail mm -hmm. came from that artist, right? What did you end up minting in grails? I minted Yeri, number one. Did you really? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did, you, did you think it was Gary? No, I, I actually, I thought, uh, I thought it would be kind of like a wild card. Now that I know it's Gary, I can see the resemblance. It looks like something Gary would do, but at the same time, it looked more digital in a sense because mm -hmm. Gary, most of his things for V friends was really like kind of just hand drawn. This looks more like it was just done on like vector based A on Illustrator or something. Mm -hmm. So I didn't necessarily think it was Gary. I was convinced number one was Gary. I was <laughs> okay. convinced, and I got talked out of it by another proof member who had so much conviction about it not being Gary. Was it Trey? <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so it's the same like i thought it was i guess like i i had my doubts maybe it's gary at first but then i listened to like trey's uh like his whole uh, dissertation of why this was not yes. gary and i was like oh it makes so much sense what's your favorite quote because we talked about yeah. quotes earlier do you have one that you just keep in mind that you remind yourself of um it's for its simple elegance this too shall pass is Mm. Probably one of the, um, probably one of, just one of my favorites. The, there's there are more complicated ones. I it, it's hard to pick just one because it's all so conditional. I feel like my wife and a lot of friends call me like a a walking quote book because there's usually a quote for each situation. One that that resonates <laughs> is um, the space between stimulus and response defines the character of a man. That one just it, it's so strong because. You can't control what happens to you. You can't control your circumstances. All you can control is how you react to it. I have been through some wild like health stuff and things like that over the last few years. And knowing this too shall pass and knowing how you respond in those situations. Like it's a very, that's a very like stoic quote. But um, yeah, I was going to ask you, are you into stoicism? Yeah, very much, very much so daily stoic here. Oh, Ryan Holiday. I mean, this is this is as close to my Bible as uh, as anything I'll ever get. That's uh, there's there's some great lessons in there. There's some great lessons in there. It gets a, it gets a little repetitive, but the teachings of Stoicism are I'm super into that. Well, it's funny because when, as you go through life, um, you just realize it's just the same problems like repeating themselves. It's not like you know the problems that we have today as people living in 2022 pretty much resemble the problem of someone that was living like 2000 years ago, the same it's, kind of problems. It's absolutely dead on. And it, it is remarkable. And, um, being here and, and talking to you and, and being on the right side of the dirt, like it is a privilege denied to many. And although it's something you constantly remember and forget and remember and forget, I got to say, having kids really mellowed me out. Having, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with health stuff really mellowed me out. Like, it, it's amazing how kids put your life into perspective. Uh, having loved ones pass puts your life into perspective. Like, but those moments, like those, those very human uh, experiences are so universal. 
And you're right, so timeless. It is really nice to be able to pick up a book. And even in the darkest moments when you feel alone or you feel like it's something no one has ever been uh, been through or experienced, you can, there hasn't been a situation where you have, that I've been through where you haven't been able to pick up a book or read a blog post of someone who went through almost exactly what you're going through. Or you can take what they went through and their experience may be way worse. Or even if it's not to... It gives you a reference, uh, Mm -hmm. like some sort of guideline that you can follow and and you just realize, oh, what I'm going through is it can be completely horrible right now, but somebody went through it and they made it out. And maybe, like you were saying, maybe it was even worse than you. And I think right. the the powerful thing about reading and the quotes per se is that they hit you differently at different times in life. Like one hundred percent. Yeah, like sometimes yes. you can hear you can hear or you can listen or you can read a passage in a book and you just put the book down and you're like, Well, you know, that book wasn't that good. And then five years later you read it, you're like, How did I not see this? Transformative. <laughs> this <is> like- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In, in entirely, entirely. No, it it just it does feel like that process of remembering and forgetting. Uh, that feels like one of the most human things of all. It, it's you're constantly relearning things that you've already learned or, um, or forgotten unlearning. in some way. Yeah, or unlearn. Absolutely, unlearning. Yeah. Are you thinking in any shape or form make writing a book or making some sort of graphic book? Um. I released a version. Uh, I did a hardcover, like a coffee table book of say, the first five years of work. And that was a really enjoyable experience to put together. I'd like to do another. I'll have to send you a copy of the first book because I still have a, the right. Yeah, we're back. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for anyone for anyone listening, if we don't edit that out, a giant picture frame behind me fell down. But we're okay. We're okay. Uh, yeah, so... Did this, it was a self-published piece, and it was a lot of fun to put together. Um, Actually, this was midway through uh, Web 2 Days. I mocked up, this is is how this book came to be. I had a friend who put a book together. His name is Jack McCain, one of the best photographers I've ever met. And he called me one day and said, hey, do you want to come to my book release party? And I was like, what do you mean book release? And he's like, yeah, I put together a book. I don't know. I just, I, f- I found this site in a way that I could produce it online. Team in America, but they produce them in China. And like, it was a, it was like this whole seamless process. And do you want to come to my book launch? And so I went to his book launch and was like, this is, it. I mean, he put together a beautiful, remarkable book. And I said, I want to do that. Like, so I mocked up the cover and like two pages inside and put a pre-sale link on my site. It was like, if I sell enough to cover the cost of production, like I'll go for it. I think I had to sell like 75 books on pre-sale. And the day I put the link up, I think we sold 140. It was like, mm. no, like I actually have to make this book now. And <laughs> it t- I think it took nine months to actually put together. And like nobody cared. Like everyone was really cool about about it taking a while because I think I said it was gonna like I was like it was March and I was like you'll have it by Christmas and and actually <laughs> hit the deadline which was nice but that was it was a labor of love it was labor of love it was a really fun project to put together to do another I would like I've since that time and I don't, I don't know if you're this way but I I know we had similar lines of work I shared a very similar line of work to you pre this whole art thing 
uh, pre-NFTs. And I've always kind of considered myself a like a collector of skills. Like I knew once I put a book together that I could help anyone else ever put a book together. And mm -hmm. I've gone on and produced other books, zines, things like that. And just, just to like have that knowledge of this new skill set, the really interesting things in life seem to happen at the intersection of individual skills. So I didn't know when I did the first book that Hank Green and the Vlog Brothers would come to me and ask me to do like a series of zines for them. But as soon as I saw that opportunity, I was able to raise my hand and say, actually, I can do that because I've done it before. And same with getting into the NFT space. First time I, I did a one-on-one through foundation and that was a really interesting experience. And it did, it felt very like almost WordPressy. It was just like, upload your image. Now it's an NFT. And it was like, okay, but what's actually, <laughs> what's actually going on here? So the developer who wrote the contract for everything we did at Phraseboard he actually, this was our, this is our second project. The first project that we did, I approached him and I said, Hey, I want to do a, an addition NFT. I want to do a, a series, but I want to write the contract myself. And I really want to like, I want to understand what is, what, <laughs> what is all this stuff that, that all these marketers are talking about? What is all this stuff? That's like, it's trustless and uh, mm -hmm. it's immutable and all these buzzwords that get thrown around. Like I kind of wanted to go through the ringer and, and understand what it actually took to write a contract. So I had to like learn solidity and learn JavaScript. And I had absolutely slash, uh, run NPM install <laughs> <laughs> NPX hard hat and all that. Yeah. Like I knew nothing. Like I didn't even know what a terminal was before this project, like, uh, like truthfully. And I went from not knowing anything to, you know, maybe only needing to call the developer once a week, which was, which was really great. But, it, but I, he helped me, uh, we kind of went hand in hand and he helped write this thing in solidity. We worked together and I stood up a contract from scratch and it was just, uh, it was an eye opening experience for a number of reasons. One, I got just a, a wonderful taste of how fragile the how new and fragile the ecosystem is and and just the way a lot of people set up nft projects there's a lot of external dependencies on things that when we talk about things lasting forever and that sort of thing there's like there's a pretty heavy asterisk there that's like well i mean as long as you know ipfs doesn't go down or or this yeah. one piece you know there there's so much that although the spirit is there the tech hasn't caught up with with a lot of things that are promised. Now, at the same time, it really gave me a really good appreciation for creators like Divergent, who works tirelessly to put things they call in-chain instead of just on-chain and to create collections and works that truly only require the blockchain. Like their whole thing is how many externalities and, and how many dependencies can we reduce to where Bort Chains and Kiss Precise and their biggest projects have almost no dependencies on on external systems or programs or anything like that. So going through that process gave me a really good understanding of where the tech is today and where it aspires to be. Uh, but but at the same time, I always thought I was a creative person, and I like as a as a you know decade long visual artist, I can tell you there is so much more creativity in elegant code than 
anything you can slap on. Uh, it's 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 mind numbing and Tyler Hobbs like really exactly the, like the perfect example. <laughs> his his position in the industry is he still in my eyes feels undervalued because the amount of information he's not only like blazing a trail that that hasn't really been blazed before, right? But his process and sharing of that process to bring people like me in, like. I picked up processing and started learning generative coding because of Tyler Hobbs. And I know that thousands of artists out there can say that same thing. So going through the process, learning learning how to write a smart contract, even though for significant projects and things like that, I will very likely default to the experts. It it at least put me in the, re- the arena to where I can well, ask smarter. You can smarter- actually have a conversation with them. If I hire a consultant or I hire someone to work with me in, uh, let's say, our, our marketing agency and they're taking care of video editing, I at least want to know at, in some degree how that works so that I can kind of like double check in a sense and be, mm-hmm. oh, that kind of makes sense. If I if mm-hmm. I really don't know anything about it, I'll just blindly follow them. And that might be good in some scenarios if it's a really good video editor or illustrator or if it's a really good coder. Uh, if you're launching mm-hmm. your NFT project and they have a good uh, track record, they can actually do everything. But it's always good for you to know, because if you know at least the, the basics, I guess you can understand what the limitations are. And you yourself, the creator, you can play within those boundaries. 100%. And, and really like... My my favorite people on earth are are the builders. Like anyone that's out there that's trying, experimenting, tinkering, playing, like I don't care what it is, but if it is with heart, like I appreciate you really pointing out that that this wasn't just another PFP project or anything like that. And and I know that it leaves a lot of ETH on the table to not I know how to play that game and should I have just stood up a PFP, I'm sure it could it could have done well short term. Mm-hmm. I love this space and I want to build here long term. I want to celebrate people that are doing interesting things. Like I just my my business partner Fernie.eth who helped me stand up this project. Uh he and I often joke like, "Man, I really wish I had the moral flexibility to to create a project and just rug because people are doing it left and right and it would be so easy, but I just that's not how I want to win." Like Vayner says, there are two ways to build build the tallest building in town. Like one is knock the other buildings down. And the others to build. And I'm here to build. Like that's, I will always go to bat for people who are doing that. What you were saying earlier is just great advice in general for artists. Like the the idea of experimenting constantly. You know, a lot of times it's actually not that, like it doesn't make sense in your head to say, oh, now I'm going to start like I might make my own book or something. But the fact that you made it, you, you made your own book. Now, if an opportunity came, you could say, hey, I'm, I did this. Now I have mm-hmm. the skill sets that I can transfer onto this new contract. And you never know where that leads. You know, if, if you just stay too narrow, essentially that to me is leaving money on the table. If you're not experimenting, yeah. I guess that would be my version of like you're leaving ETH or you're leaving, <laughs> you know, dollars <laughs> on the table. Fair. Yeah, it's. It's been a fun ride. It's been a very fun ride. And it's such a winding road. Everyone thinks of it as so linear, but you just bouncing around, like chasing, like whether it's shiny objects, but like following your folly, like following the things that light you up. I don't know how, 
I wish I knew how to operate at a different cadence, but it it's always been the things that that light me up are the only thing like being self-employed for over a decade. I may be lazier than I care to care to admit and my only way to kind of counterpunch that is to really just obsess over the things that I obsess over. And I have a very like to me it's like I I don't care about anything, you know, I care about something 0% or like I'm upset, like obsessed, yeah. <laughs> which, 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 you know, bodes well in the NFT space because there are a lot of really obsessed people here. N knowing what you know now with the NFT technology and like, you know, launching your Genesis piece to steal this piece NFT and mm -hmm. also now with the phrase board, how are you thinking about your future projects? Whether, you know, I, I know I asked this earlier already with a book, but it could be something mm -hmm. like, you know, one of one pieces that kind of, you know, could, could you even make a quote into an NFT? Whereas like every, you know, you, you per se, like you own this quote. I, I actually, I appreciate the tee up. There were, there were three or four projects that we were all working towards in tandem. And the one that just kind of bubbled to the top was this, this phrase board one, but it's funny. You should mention, uh, codifying words and quotes. Uh, one of the first projects we were exploring was actually, it, it was a project called Phrase. And this was, this was before the name Phrase had, had come into my existence. But the original thing we were exploring was this idea of creating an NFT for basically every single word. And you could smash them together. So you could merge two NFTs to, or three NFTs. Like if you had the words I and love and you. You'd smash those together and create a single NFT, or you could decouple them later. We mm -hmm. were explore like we we actually went down this road, and this was um, I had brought up Divergence earlier in this. Divergence did the contracts for Proof Collective and Moonbirds and a series of their own projects. We actually were talking to them about this technology, and we're actually talking to them about writing the contract for it. But linguistics are tough, man. Like. Like there are so many facets to the English language and to create a system that prefixes and suffixes and, and just every single use case, it, it got really complicated really fast. And then where we decided to go from there was a project that explored the same ideas, but just used color or colors instead of words. And we... The follow-up project to Phraseboard is actually a, a project that we're working on called TIFO. Did I show you any of this yet? Have we talked about this at all? Off, off yeah, podcast I, at all I, yet? I, I believe so. Like on, okay. on, our, um, on a previous Zoom call, you sent yes. me something, which was like an animation of words, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. So that's, that's the one-on-one -on -one stuff. TIFO, um, did you see... Have no, you ever no, seen it's million? Like a, it's 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 the one that has like it's like a blue teal background. Yes, yes, yes. So oh. yes, um, that is that is the one on one. Tifo is a little different. It's um, if you ever saw Million Dollar Homepage or Reddit's Place, it's it kind of builds on that idea in an interesting way. And there's another project. So we were like literally throwing everything at the wall. Um, we have another project called Space Vikings the Musical. Have I told you about this one off camera? No, where does that come from? <laughs> <laughs> so, so this developer 
and and the team that he was involved in, we we just kind of had this group and we would hop on a call once a week and, and just kind of spitball ideas. And one of the earliest ideas I had was this project called Paratrooper. And it was just kind of this exploration to get people to create a sense of urgency when it comes to minting an NFT. And the idea was, hey, we'll set up these these NFTs and we'll like have a plane, think 8-bit style, like duck hunt animation. Plane flies across the screen and drops four NFTs like every hour. And the NFTs just start falling slowly, like call it over the course of, you know, 10 minutes. And if the price starts high, goes low, and if you don't mint it in time, it gets destroyed. Like it's basically a self-destruct sequence on an NFT. That's so and fun. <laughs> this was such a fun idea that we explored. And I hope someone takes it and runs with it. But where that that evolved into was the team that we started kind of toying around with that with, they didn't want to do anything U.S. Army based thematically, and, and, and understandably so. Uh, it's a global team that we've been talking to. And so we started like, oh, we're like, okay, what can we do that isn't, that still kind of explores this, but isn't that? And someone said Vikings, and then someone else was like Space Vikings. And so I set up a Discord for us, and I, for some stupid reason, I called it Space Vikings the Musical. And it evolved from whatever that first idea was into this. We're, we're developing an um, think choose your own adventure style NFT project. So again, it's got like a PFP element. Cause so each pe- each person will mint what will be a character in this uh, choose like your own Ragnar. adventure style. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and um, it's a, re- it's been a, it's just one of those projects that every time we hop on, we were like rolling, laughing, like having so much fun talking about this. And it, it evolved into this really elegant, really fun idea that I think like I love exploring in this space. And while I know like there's a good chunk of flippers and that sort of thing, like I want to make, I want to lean into the NFT tech and, and actually like explore these sides of like CCO and ownership and, what does it mean if you actually own a character in a story? And then what happens if that character dies? Like, how does that continue? And can you still participate in the story? And we developed a really awesome story. We had a, a story writer come on board, uh, like Emmy-winning story writer, uh, joined the project. And then we had a musician come on board that was like, I'll write the whole score for this thing. And just that amalgamation, <laughs> that that experimentation, these people, everyone jumping in, it's it's a remarkable uh i don't know it feels like a very special time to be in this space so this is it, it's such a you, you had asked what's coming next like we we're just we're tinkering with everything and uh who knows which one of those projects will actually see the light of day um didn't expect phraseboard to bubble up the way it did but we're just going to keep tinkering and playing like i'm here to play in this space uh because i i do believe long term in the tech i do believe for all its clunkiness right now, for all the, like, I believe we'll get to a place where, you know, our, our parents will watch an episode of Martha Stewart or Rachel Ray or whoever's on the air these days. And you'll, we'll get to a place where it's not, uh, or you, you attend an event or a concert and you'll get to a place where it's not, why do I need an NFT with this thing? Why did I get an NFT with this thing to where, 
you'll say, why didn't I get an NFT with this thing? What do you mean? I went to this concert and I didn't get an NFT. Like what? It's it, it's funny when when we think about like the past or what's coming in the future, we tend to forget how we were still very resistant to change, even with the technologies that today we take for granted. So, for example, if you you use even something that was like pre-COVID, like a QR code. I mean, the amount of people that were used to using a QR code pre-pandemic is actually not that high. I mean, I, I live in in Montreal, Canada, and that was not the standard practice to go to a restaurant and scan a QR code to get the menu. And at first, everyone was like, "Oh no, this is stupid!" Like, I want my physical menu and you know, <laughs> and all that stuff. It's true. And two years later. Nobody even talks about it anymore. It's just, it's a given now. It's yeah. They're like the waitress doesn't even explain it to you. And, and part of that is the tech gets there, right? Like part of it is you don't have to, you know, download QR zapper, the app, uh, you know <laughs> what I mean? For this, that only works at six restaurants. Now it's just like open your phone and that's the way it works. You know what I mean? Like the technology yep. is there and, and, much credit to, you know, the juggernauts in in the phone space for actually going, oh, no, no, there is utility here. So I don't think NFTs have, have had anything close to that moment yet, but I do think I do think it's coming. So it's going to be a natural extension to your everyday life activities in the future. Because absolutely. To be honest, there's so many things that we do right now that are actually not that optimized. Like you were talking about like a ticket. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like, it's not like my ticket now is that much more optimized. You, you have to buy the ticket online and then get an, an email that has a conversation, uh, um, a confirmation. Then you click on a link for those tickets to go into your wallet. And then the person at the door has to scan your tickets. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's just a world where maybe NFTs will even reduce some of that clunkiness. I think as proof members, we are well positioned. I think we have front row seats for I, I, I don't know your thoughts on high rise or anything like that. And I know we're, we're so far off topic from where we started, but, <laughs> uh, I believe what Kevin and the team are working on with high rise, whether, whether high rise is in like in parallel with what they're doing, um, or a separate project entirely. Uh, I think that's what they're trying to take on is the bridge between real life proof of ownership and uh, these digital assets or, you know, digital tickets or that sort of thing. I, I think, I think they're trying to bridge away for uh, that piece to be as seamless as possible. So during the podcast, we jumped, we jumped from one spot to another left and right, like this topic and that topic. And I want to bring it back. So, you know, we wrap up the, the podcast with your project. So Phraseboard, um, where, where can they learn more about Phraseboard? So you said Phraseboard.xyz and other socials. The only other one is really Twitter. I'm at PhraseArt on Twitter. It's P-H-R-A-Z-E art. Mm-hmm. And um, those are the two main, and, and discord.gg slash phrase and phrase with a Z. So P-H-R-A-Z-E is the discord. You can, you can hop in there. And I think we have a few channels open to uh, let you test the waters. But again, yeah, it's entirely free to play. All you have to do is go to phraseboard.xyz, connect your wallet, and you will see questions immediately and be able to start uh, zipping around the board and trying to trying to answer them. So that's that's the main that's the main thing. And and along the way, you will be connected with 
a ton of collaborators. I, I don't think I mentioned, we did mention Rick House Dow uh, is, is how we got in contact. Czar, Heart U, Team at Divergence, Trey Ratcliffe. Zen Academy over, too, I mean, right? Zen, yeah, Zen, Zen Academy, Zen FT is in there as well, who did Bonsai's and um, Forest Spirits. And we have four different creators who are launching their Genesis collections with us, which is super exciting. And it's been, I mean, it's been a wild ride. And we have some some collaborators that we have landed, but we aren't telling anyone because we're finding out <laughs> if we tell people who the collaborators are, they're like pre-scouring their collections and, and finding the clues in advance. So now... We have a good amount of collaborators that people don't know about, and it will be very fun to stumble across their work and, and dive into their collection without knowing who they are in advance. So that's that's the project. I hope everyone takes a minute to dive in and play, and we've I think we've designed something that's really fun, and um, it should be it should be an agonizing and enjoyable experience. Yeah. <laughs> and that is going. Up until uh, June 25th or until the end of June. That is so I think it's June 26th is when the last clue is revealed. When when it finally gets solved is when anyone's the game guess. Is over. It, yeah, that's when the once when the game is over. But you you have a chance to play up until then. And I would say we'll probably keep it open. Like I wanna continue to highlight all these creators' projects and things like that. So I think anyone will be able to get in there and run through the ranks if if even if the game has been fully won and even though the grand prize won't be up for grabs at that point still want to leave it open so people can go through and there's just some there's some really fun puzzles uh hidden throughout other people's collections that would be a shame for them to only be viewable for the next few weeks. Guys uh check it out. I'm I'm looking at the piece and it's just a beautiful piece of art that Phrase made and he also just brought a novel uh, novelty to the space and uh, just a fun overall project to be involved with. Check it out. So phraseboard.xyz. And one thing I wanted to highlight was the fact that you are pushing the boundaries of the space. You're trying to be creative and you're just exploring left and right. And I just think overall, we need more of that energy in the space. Really appreciate what you're doing. And you're bringing all these communities together that we Personally, you know, like I've also learned about some communities like Zen FT. I didn't necessarily know about them, but, you know, I got to dig into them and I, I love what they're doing and they have a very tight community. So thank you for for using this medium and uh, the board to kind of bridge everyone and bring everyone together. Dude, thank you so much. Appreciate the kind words and, and thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun, man. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please consider leaving a review for me. Um, it's always super helpful to get that kind of feedback uh, of what I'm doing right, what I could improve. And uh, so if you can take 13 to 35 seconds of your time to share some thoughts with me, I really appreciate it. Thank you again for listening. And uh, until next time.